What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode number five. We are talking about cars today. What do you know, Parker? Talking about cars. What do you think about that? Um, I think cars are very nice, and uh, <laughs> we all like them here, so it's going to be a good podcast. That was like your answer when I said, uh, so Parker, what do you think about chips and salsa? And he goes, well, chips and salsa are pretty good. <laughs> and I was like, wow, man. That's my honest review. That is a... Uh, that's a great review. Today, we're talking about a couple different cars that we have found. Uh, on Facebook, I have a good friend. I feel bad because I don't know how to pronounce his name. O-L-E-G. Oleg? Or is there like a twist on it? Og, maybe? I don't know. I feel sure. terrible for it. But he's a guy out in Florida who sells cars. I've been friends with him on Facebook for, I think, almost a decade, man. It's crazy how fast time goes. But he is always posting up cars for sale. I was in the car industry selling cars for a while, doing photography and marketing for Lamborghini and Bugatti dealerships all over Southern California and I made a lot of friends in the industry. And of course, now I'm pretty much, I guess you could say, um, I don't want to be geeky, but I'm encrypted in the car system in the world. I feel like I'm embedded. Encrypted. Yeah. A little too geeky. I like that word. But he has a 2019 McLaren 600. Is it 600LT? Yeah. 600LT. Yeah. It's green, which I love that color. And it has the Best option you can get, which is the roof scoop. What do you think about that thing? Because it looks so mean. Yeah, Napier green is a really nice color. Personally, I don't like the roof scoop. That's, that's really? what I think. Yeah, I think it looks too, like, ricey almost. It almost looks like it doesn't fit. But I'm pretty sure that's, like, I think a $30,000 option. Yeah, I'm sure it's really expensive. But, like, I feel like I probably would get it just for the value of the car. Because when you go to sell it, it's going to be worth so much more with the roof scoop. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And you can see it has carbon fiber everywhere uh, with exterior and interior. And the the calipers on this thing, dude, those rotors are huge. Yeah, especially since those wheels are probably like 20 and 21. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you can get um, Super Trofeo tires. I think that's what those are right there, which are very, very sticky. But I, yeah. I overall, I'm not a huge McLaren person. I do like the Senna. I do like the P1. I've never been, like, obsessed with them. A lot of people know that. Parker and I are much more of like a modified car kind of person, like the tuner and enthusiast group, which we're going to talk about later in this podcast. But I, I really appreciate cars that are, um, I'd say, very, not modified, but crazy from the factory where you have carbon fiber everywhere. You have the craziest yeah. tires you can get. You have an option to get a roof scoop. I mean, think about how cool that sounds going 150, like hearing the air above oh, your yeah. head. Yeah, the intake noise. Because uh, I think one YouTuber, I think his name is Street Speed 717 he had a... Uh, a McLaren 600 LT with the roof scoop. And it sounded just insane whenever he floored it. I bet that is such a cool experience. Uh, from my understanding, there is no price. It is for sale at Excel Auto Group. And uh, from what I heard, it has a $370,000 MSRP. Which is nuts, man. I don't even know what the base price is, but that sounds like a lot. I don't know. 1,600 miles. Very well-optioned car. I was very heavily involved with the car scene. And um, as far as like the sales point and... I don't know, man. I just don't know much about these cars to be um, able to talk about it more besides I think they're really cool looking. Yeah, I really like these. The 600 LTs are like, I think they're, it's a good looking car, but I still think the 675 LT is probably the best looking uh, kind of like lower level McLaren. I would say and so then My too. favorite is the P1, obviously, but I'm not a big fan of the Senna. Honestly, I don't like the Senna. I, I just like it because they designed the Senna based around performance and everything yeah. else was out the window. It's like, who cares how it looks? Yeah. If we can get this to go around the track 10 seconds faster than everything else, then they're happy with it. Yeah, that's true. But they did test though. Like, um, I think, I think it was Chris Harris did a video 
the 720s is like almost as fast as the senna yeah They're like very comparable i saw that but i feel like this the 720s is overbuilt oh yeah like heavily overbuilt that's why i'm really excited for the 765 lt the naming is that so hard to sick. remember I know they have so many different numbers. The The thing that bugs me though is um, I guess backtracking to the podcast, Parker and I have filmed five episodes so far and we, it's cool cause we learn as we go, but our last episode we ripped through six topics in 19 minutes. Yeah. We went through it quick. And what? I think it's because we're talking so quickly and yeah. we're moving from subject to subject. So it's, it goes by really fast. We, we keep a track or we keep an eye on the timing. So we're, we're about four minutes into this. So, we have to learn how to talk. If we're doing six topics, each one can be five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So we have to remember that. But I wanted to say one more thing about this McLaren. Um, I definitely like the newer ones. They're they're crazy for the price point for 570S. That's a car, right? Yeah, yeah. Those ones price point are great. That's a, like a really, really good entry-level car for somebody who's going from, let's say, like a 911 or something that's a very entry-level. Yeah. And then you can go all the way up to a fully race car ready track car. Yeah. And they even have the 570 GT, which is that. like, it's like has more uh, luggage room and stuff for people to do that. Like golfing. The back window opens up sideways. I'm pretty I sure. So, yeah, yeah. I've seen that before. And then there's that new McLaren. That's uh, like, I don't think it's based off of anything. I, f- I forget what it's called. I don't know. You haven't seen it. I don't, I, for McLarens, I haven't kept up with it enough. If you ask yeah. me about BMWs. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we both know. Plenty uh, about BMW. Yeah, I think just a little bit. So <laughs> speaking of this, I wanted to give a shout out to Excel Auto. Your inventory photography is amazing. Whoever's doing your photos, props to you guys. Uh, I have always wanted to do videos talking about inventory photography and the importance of it. If you followed me for a long time, and Parker knows this, he's actually been on a couple photo shoots with me. I worked in San Diego at a car dealership called Symbolic Motors. I'm still wearing the wristband over the last 10 years. I support them. That's my life there. And uh, they were taken over by a different company, which I'm not going to mention. But when I worked there, I was the inventory photographer. That was my main job. And I wanted to talk about how I kind of structured what I did, just if anyone wants to know as what my career was, which it was really cool because I, I used to get paid to take photos as a yeah. living, which was a dream for me. And I used to post about it a lot on my social media and people would be like, what? You're just an inventory photographer. Who cares? I'm like, dude, this is my dream. Every yeah. single day going in, getting a Bugatti, driving around La Jolla, going to the beach by myself. Like what a dream life that was. Well, I remember looking up to you in like middle school and high school because you were doing that in La Jolla. And then you, you know, picked me up in a different, like a couple of different cars. Yeah. That was like such a dream come true. That, it was such an honor to roll up to the high school I went to to pick you up in an Aventador. Yeah. And just drive around La Jolla yeah. and take pictures. And then my boss would be like, you can drive more. Go find cooler spots to shoot at. And, and then it was the craziest thing. And then at the end of the day, I got paid for it. Yeah. Like, I'm getting money to do this. That's like the best boss. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So what I would do is um, I would go into work every morning. And from like 9 to 10, I would plan out my day. Uh, my my boss or my coworkers were like, hey, we got two new Bentley GTs, we got a pre-owned Porsche Turbo, and we just got this Lamborghini Superleggera. We need photos. So I'd plan out my day. I would figure out where to go um, for each one. So uh, I lived in San Diego in La Jolla where the dealership was, so I knew all the spots around town. So I knew areas that were uh, great houses in the background, the beach, uh, different bu- like bushes, Things like that. If you followed me on Instagram or Flickr, you guys would know my spots I would go to. Um, 
and it, it was based on what the car was. So if it was like a Bentley, I'd find like a really nice house. If it was a Lambo, I'd find the ocean backdrop. If it was a convertible, you'd find something that's like a, a big widespread area that you could shoot um, pictures at. So I would find these spots to shoot at. And um, from nine to 10, I would organize the shoot, figure out what I'm going to go drive first, depending on the lighting. Then I would pick one car, go out to La Jolla, take a ton of photos, come back, do this back to back to back. Uh, I've done five cars in one day. And I've done five or six. Usually I keep, I would keep it around three or four just so the, the quality of the content wouldn't get saturated. Um, but what I would do, take the photos and then usually come back, have my lunch around noon. And then from about one o'clock to five 30, I would sit in front of my desk for hours and just edit pictures. Yeah. And I had an office in the Lamborghini showroom and I would hear guys doing test drives and people starting cars up and new cars showing up. And then my family would visit, my friends would visit, and I started getting really into YouTube. And I had like a TJ Hunt came by a couple times, and I had really like good friends that would stop by and just say what's up. Yeah, and we would just you know shoot the shit and talk about cars and talk about the inventory. So it was fun to have that ability to to do that. So when I come back, I'd edit the photos. Everything would get pushed um, to uh, to different websites. So I would I would edit the photos. I would type the description, and every car had a window sticker that had like all the options on it. It would say like the stitching, the the heated seats. Some of the Bentleys would have neck warmers, you know, stuff like you wouldn't think about. And I would I would write all that out. So I'd write like a three or four paragraph detailed description. And then um, I would push all of that to the website, eBay, autotradercars.com, car gurus, all the stuff, DuPont registry that we would use. Then beyond that, I would push all that to social media. So Instagram, Facebook, everything we were using. And then beyond that, I would make uh, YouTube videos of just a one minute walk around showing the exterior and the interior. And then once a car was done completely, I would send all of the content to all the sales guys. So we had five or six sales guys. It was Mike Padachi, Sean Hughes, Rick Ahumada, and, uh, Nick Jones when he worked there and a bunch of other OG car sales guys, and they would have all the content. So then they would send that out to all their clients. They're each sales guy had an email list they would send out to everybody. And then usually the car would sell within three or four days. Yeah. So the goal for me was to portray this image of like, this is the lifestyle you get with this car. Yeah. So all, it was like a lot of like repetitiveness, kind of posting it all different, all different like platforms and stuff like that. It, it was, but every time it was fun Yeah. because it would be different lighting, gloomy, sunny. It would be a, a challenge every day, but, it would be fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That seems awesome. So that was, that was my job. And then one day my boss was like, why don't you get your sales license? I'm like, I don't want to sell cars. I don't want to be a salesperson. Yeah. So I, uh, I got my sales license and I sold five Huracans, made 20,000 in one month That's sick. just from selling cars for fun. I wasn't even a yeah. sales guy. And all the guys that worked there were like, how'd you just sell five Huracans in three weeks? like at full pop at MSRP with yeah. upgraded exhaust systems. It was like Devin physique, Christian Guzman, all those guys. I had two yeah. other guys that bought a car for me. And then I sold a DBS. I sold uh, a four GT. I mean, it, it was crazy. That's crazy. I never seen yeah. that kind of money going to my bank account. And it yeah. was, it was just for fun. So it was cool to see the potential I had. Um, but I don't, I don't want to be a salesman. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's pretty degrading. That's like, especially since so many like people just kind of, say no and you just have to get used to rejection all the time and everyone wants a deal and you get calls at 2 a.m from i don't want to be rude i don't want to sound like i'm judging anybody but when you have money and you spend a quarter million dollars or half a million like i sold an Aventador sv for almost six hundred thousand dollars that was a huge huge check for me and yeah. the guy 
wired the money. And when people send that kind of money, they want you to be on your knees. Yeah. That's what they expect. And I, I understand it. Like you want good service, but I'm not the person, and I'm not saying you have to, I'm not the person to be like, to kiss ass and be like, oh, I got, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I don't want to be that much pressure on me. I'd rather go off and be happier somewhere else making a salary that I'm happy with compared to like fighting for money. Like that it's, it's not an easy job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it it definitely pushes you though to like, you know, get the job done and try to sell as many cars as possible. But I'm sure that does get exhausting. I have respect for sales guys for sure. Like there's, yeah. There's some hardcore sales guys like Nick Jones and Sebastian Babra and and all those guys at Lambo, Newport and McLaren props to them for being able to put up with that stuff. And I don't think it's putting up with it. It's just a lifestyle you have to adapt to. And if you like, if you like selling cars and props to you, but yeah, everyone's different. Like half those guys would not, would probably be like, I don't want to be a photographer. That's not me. I understand. I'm the guy who would, but vice versa. I don't want to be, have you ever sold anything? Um, besides cocaine and crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sold a Aventador <laughs> the other day. No, not really. Nothing like that. I mean, on that level, I don't really have like much sales experience. You know, I've done some to try to get new clients here, but my sales experience is pretty minimal. Yeah. I was the same way too. I didn't know how to sell anything. And like the first couple people I had, they, they would say no. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. And then my boss was like, don't do that. Like you yeah. got to sell them a car. And then I, I'd figure out the system of saying, okay, well, my, my routine would be once I got like five or 10 people that said no, I just got sick of it. And I'm like, what is it going to take for you to buy the car today? Yeah. They're like, oh, I want my payment to be 4,500 a month, not, not 9,000. I'm like, well, we can meet in the middle and get your Ventador for 7,000 a month. And they're like, yeah. okay, let's do it. And then they just drop a hundred grand on the deposit. And I'm yeah. like, uh, okay. Uh, that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. So you start to learn techniques as you go. Yeah. On how to be a salesman, but that's what you have to deal with. And it's just, it's tough. Yeah. Um, Par- uh, Parker, you don't talk about this Porsche jump into, I got too pumped up on that subject right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll put some pictures up on the screen or Spencer will. This is um, a highlight of the podcast for the build or for a build highlight. Yeah. So this is a 997.2 uh, GT3 RS with the 3.8 liter engine. And uh, I think the guy's name is max 997 i'll put the name on the screen because i forgot already but i just wanted to feature this because this car is beautiful uh in this red color with the uh silver silver wheels and silver stickers and then it has a half cage i think he actually upgraded to a full cage so it comes um down the a pillars as well now but yeah this is my dream porsche i think and it's manual yeah manual so I think it's just like the best spec ever. Would you prefer manual over PDK with how good PDK is? Uh, it depends. If it was the new 991s, uh, GT3 RS, I would definitely get PDK. Mm-hmm. But the 997s, I think, should only obviously be... Well, I don't even... Were they available in PDK? Uh, I don't know. I think only turbos. I don't think there was ever yeah. a GT3. So I guess you kinda, you're kind of you stuck with it. Yeah, I know at a certain year that the GT3s came out with, um, I remember this very well when GT3, they announced that they would never do manuals again. Yeah. And then sure enough, after a couple of years, 911R came out. I sold a bunch of those um, at the other dealership. We had like six of them and those ones did really well. Then the market crashed on those. And then of course they were, came out with a manual GT3. They kind of, yeah. it just seemed like it came up out of nowhere, which was kind of stupid on Porsche's part, but I guess it's yeah. all the hype. 
Yeah, I think a manual is the only transmission that fits the 997 platform. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I like how this car I don't, doesn't look like Guard's Red, but it does. I, I don't know. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't find the color. but And it has center locks on it, too. I don't know if that's standard. I think it might be for the GT3 RS. Um, look even at my cars. Oh, yeah. yeah, they all are. Hey. Okay, that's cool. That helps out. Well, I also like how the, the center console down the middle is um, body color, too. Yeah, I think that's kind of unique. And then the uh, something I really like on the back of the, uh, you know, behind the seats, there's like that central tunnel and it has oh, yeah. a GT3 RS. You can't see it in the pictures, but um, the GT3 RS uh, lettering in red. Mm -hmm. I think the accent colors on these uh, GT3 RSs are just so nice, especially with like the seat belts, the, the logo on the seat back. I didn't realize it said RS38. That's cool. I yeah. thought it was a Porsche logo. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, this is, this is a fun car. I had the chance to drive a gray one with red wheels that had GMG headers and GMG exhaust. Oh, my God. Straight piped. Like nothing. That's crazy. The most insane case of goosebumps I've ever had. Yeah. I drove Torrey Pines Road. Oh, God. Dude, unreal. I wish yeah. I could have some of that video footage, uh, but it was unreal. It wasn't even like... It was a surreal moment to drive. If you know Torrey Pines in La Jolla, it's an amazing road. It's like a mini Nürburgring. And then I got on the freeway. I've driven so many cars up that going to the service center for Symbolic, where I used to meet with a lot of clients or do a lot of photo shoots. And uh, these cars have the most insane sound when they're opened up. Yeah. High RPM. Flat sixes really like hit different. You know, I, I love a good V8, you know, American, German V8s, but. I don't know. There's something about a Porsche flat six. that's just it's so good. So much better. And one thing too, I, I didn't realize this. I remember the first couple of times I drove these that, that the way the engine sits, uh, sometimes if they sit for too long, the, the oil gathers, I guess at the bottom or something. And when you start it, it smokes. I've driven so many oh. GT cars that do that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh no, what's happening? Cause I sold, um, I saw this guy, he wanted to trade his LFA. He ended up keeping it. He bought a GT two from me, a yellow one with a cage and I drove that thing, and I, I started up, and I, I was so scared. I'm like, oh, no, it's on fire. It's on fire. And I guess it's just normal for those engines with how they sit. Yeah, it just must be like the – I mean, I don't know the layout of the engine, but that's interesting. I yeah. just want to look into that because it's too. pretty cool. Uh, we're going to feature another car, actually. I, f I found this car. Is that Siri? Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> what just happened it's over Siri? there it we got off. one of our our client ipads that are going off <laughs> oh, that's scary oh man scary is scary i want to talk about this 2010 bmw race car this is a an e92 m3 uh euro v8 is what they call it it's uh, a car that's in italy but it says it's in florida i've never seen so i've seen a couple different cars actually that are the e92 race cars but I don't watch enough of the series because it's not popular in the U.S. Yeah. The GT series, usually they'll have um, a, a bunch of, like I saw like the M6 Grand Coupe is a race car now and you get all the Porsches, of course, and then you get a lot of Australian V8 stuff. And I feel like in America, there's not enough focus on race cars or race driving that you just don't know about it. Like there could be a huge race going yeah. on right now. We have no idea. But when it comes to like, the Long Beach Grand Prix, or when it comes to indie racing or NASCAR, NASCAR. like yeah, those are all huge here, and that's what because you can never like oh, I'm sure you can, but I I can never find like channels that same air these these different races like all the ones that I want to watch 
Sometimes so. you get lucky, and uh, I don't know who airs it, but from the drift, you'll see it oh, really? sometimes on cable TV. But it's always like a rerun from like eight months ago. Yeah, and I don't know. I just don't know what channels to get. But a lot of this GT racing will come on Sunday mornings very early because obviously the time difference being either in Germany or Switzerland or, or wherever. Uh, but this car is something that I really, really like because the, the Euro V8 series, no one really knows about. And I want to share more of this on my podcast and on M3 Connection about uh, race car driving because I'm very interested in the Nürburgring. I'm very interested in Spa. That's my fav- one of my favorite tracks to drive. I have a simulator that I use and it's so much fun to drive that track. I really like Coda. I got really familiar with that because I've actually been there. But this this race car to me, I would love this, Parker. If when we have the opportunity, let's say we're just hanging out, eating lunch, and I'm like, Parker, I want to buy this car. What do you think? And you get, you say, yeah, let's do it. And I just buy it, and we yeah. get it shipped to us, and we can go to Thermal. And just imagine like ripping this thing around at Thermal. Yeah. Like how much fun would that be just to be able to spend what, what sell, is for sale for $80,000? I know. That's honestly like not that crazy but i feel like you also the i feel like the most expensive part about these cars is the upkeep and tires every single practice session and like you need multiple sets per race um you got to think about support yeah like you can't be the one that is trying to replace everything and like you need like a small team you can't really go to a shop and be like hey i got this p1 group race car yeah v8 series can you guys do a a differential change like yeah unless you're just going to like private like practice track days which would be cool too to like bring something like this because i know um jmp auto works does that oh yeah they have like track days at i think it's at streets of willow Mm -hmm. which i'm actually tempted to do so but i just don't have a car set up for the track so yeah i definitely want to build something someday that's capable yeah, this car was raced by Gianni, not going to pronounce that last name. He raced it in the Euro V8 series. Before that, the car took part in several editions of the International Superstar Series and pilots the likes of former F1 driver Christian Kailin, Maserati MC, World Series champion. Uh, talks a little bit more about the history of the car uh, and, and everything behind it. 4.0 liter V8 engine, S65, of course, full roll cage. Body is partially made of composite material, I'm assuming... Fiberglass, carbon fiber, forged carbon composites, I'm assuming. Uh, racing seat, sequential gearbox, that's got to be so sick. Dude, straight cut gears, one of the best sounds in the world. Yeah. Racing digital equipment, I'm assuming something um, OMP or I don't know what that dashboard's called. That's all electric. Uh, AP racing pedals, which I love. Those pedals look awesome. Um, AP racing brake discs, OZ racing wheels. It says the car is currently in Italy, but for sale in Doral, Florida. Oh, I'm sorry, Mount Dora, Florida. So I don't, I don't know where it's for sale, but cool car nonetheless. Looks pretty sick. That front grille, it has so much room for air to come in. The fenders are crazy. That thing is stripped out. And, dude, the airbox going from the front grille directly into the plenum, yeah. not going around. Yeah, that intake is really cool. That is some serious airflow. So I'm. You should get that on yours. So all the rocks and bugs <laughs> just straight into the airbox. That would be very healthy for my engine. Uh, so yeah, that's I just want to feature that car. I feel like these kind of cars don't get enough um, attention in the USA, and uh, I want to buy it. Somebody uh, start a GoFundMe, I guess. Yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll make we'll money. Buy it. <laughs> we'll get it. Uh, Parker, next subject. Okay, so we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about detail products and um, just overall what we think about the industry because I think we both watch uh, a lot of Obsessed Garage and we kind of follow Matt uh, pretty closely. Um, 
So yeah, tell me about like Adam's Adam's polishes and maybe like some of your favorite products from them. I I have recently gotten into it. I've wanted to learn. Excuse me. I want to learn how to do detailing and like buffing and, and cutting and correcting everything. And we have, we work with a lot of clients who do this on a regular basis, whether it's yeah. PPF or ceramic pro or coatings or anything like that. And I feel like me being in the car industry, I should be a little bit more knowledgeable about it. And I've picked up a lot. Um, Matt Mormon, also ammo NYC and a couple other YouTubers that I watch. Uh, and I, I just didn't know what to use for my car because I have a black car that has really bad paint. And also I have my car wrapped now and I just don't know how to take care of a wrapped car. So yeah, I've done a lot of research on um, everywhere online. And so far I've come up with a couple different things. I've picked up about a hundred bucks worth of Adams polish. I got a bunch of just detail equipment and uh, just everything that, that people recommended for like a starter kit. And then also I picked up, don't say this too fast, P and S bead maker and I sprayed my car down with uh, my friend Kenneth when we were doing a uh, car wash video of how to wash your car in a uh, apartment complex. And it was amazing. Like I sprayed my yeah. car down and I, I let it sit for a second, wiped it away. The car was silky smooth. Yeah. It was really, yeah, that's my favorite product. That sealant is really nice. And it actually, you know, it's hydrophobic too. So it helps with, you know, keeping the dirt on the surface and not really getting really stuck onto the paint. Um, so then it's easier to m remove when you wash it the next time too. Mm. Um, so yeah, PNS bead maker is not something I usually apply. I usually have my, uh, main guy, Gustavo, whenever I want to get like a real detail, he applies it for me. Um, but yeah, basic like washing techniques. I usually bring a bucket to like a self-wash. Um, obviously don't use a brush, uh, just cause that will scratch things up. But yeah, I bring a bucket with a wash mitt. Um, I have Adam's Polishes car shampoo, which is like pH neutral. So it doesn't strip any of like the protective sealant on it. Um, and then I have like a wheel cleaner, which I forget the one I have, but it's just kind of like a generic one with all the right brushes and stuff. So yeah, I'm pretty cautious about um, like scratching my car. Yeah. But I won't do like the two bucket method because I mean, if I had like a driveway, where I could wash my car, I would totally invest more into like detail products, but it makes sense right now. I just use one bucket and it works for me. My car is still shining really mm -hmm. good. So one of my favorite things to do is to take um, wheel cleaner and take a brush and not the tire, not, not the rims, but the actual rubber and just completely scrub the tire. So yeah. much brown dirt comes off. Yeah. Every time, even if it's for a couple of days, your tires get so dirty. Oh yeah. Well, because when you put the uh, when you put the dressings on them, they actually it actually like attracts more dirt and it like sticks to the dressing. Yeah, I do. I use Tire Shine all the time. It makes yeah. your car like a hundred times better and newer. But if you put it on and then drive, and then you wait a couple of days, your tires start to turn brown. Yeah. So if you ever go to wash your car and you can't figure out why your tires are brown, get a scrub brush. Look on Amazon. I have one that was like $5 or wherever you're going and buy a brush and it's going to help keep your tires way, way cleaner. And what I've noticed is like ever since we got these Federals, which are pretty sticky, they're like an R compound tire. They attract a lot more dirt on the sidewalls. Uh, before I just had a, like a regular kind of performance tire. Yeah. And it did not attract as much dirt. <laughs> so I think the rubber compound also has to do with it. Sure. That's definitely technical, but. Yeah, that's what we use. I, I use Adam's Polish. I'm a huge fan. Their social media is amazing. Shout out to Adam's Polish. We just picked up three bottles of the hand sanitizer. So it should be here any day waiting for FedEx. Yeah. 
Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully get those soon. Um, last two things. We are giving away a diecast car. We have a Ford GT. We got a bunch right here. I'm going to give away a golf livery Ford GT, a brand new one. That car, uh, anyone can win. All you got to do is go to at Spencer Burke podcast, comment on any picture, any video, just say you watched it. We're going to pick some random person to give the car away to every Friday. We got yep. plenty of giveaway. Uh, the absolute last thing we're talking about. Wanted to give a shout out to Carly Carroll. She's been a friend of mine for about seven or eight years, if not longer, uh, from San Diego. She has helped us with a bunch of our client photo shoots. She has her own interior design business where she helps people do uh, anything from decoration to, to artwork to helping organize. And she has her own CAD system she uses to design interior houses. Oh, that's cool. It's crazy. I watch yeah, her Instagram yeah. stories. She has all this digital stuff that she does and she rearranges everything and picks out the right furniture and anything you want, whether it's an office building or house, she can do it all. That's really cool. I, yeah, have a, I had no clue that she did that. I have a hard time decorating. I decorate this place with license plates and posters. You know, I'm, yeah. I think she could do a little bit better of a job. So if you're looking for any kind of interior design stuff, hit up Carly. Here's her Instagram on the screen. If you want to find it, she can help you out with any of your interior design needs. I'm pretty sure she can work anywhere too. She's based out of California, but that's it, Parker. 29 minutes on the clock, man. That's a long That's podcast. Perfect. Yeah, it's a little bit longer. Yeah, our last one was 19 minutes. So if you guys can hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button. Parker, you want to close it out? Yep. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and uh, we'll see you in the next podcast. Peace. See ya.